0: It's really so inspiring to see that our God is a global God, isn't it? I mean, what we're going to do today is link what God is doing throughout the nations to right here in Prescott, Arizona. I'm the hometown boy, so I'm back. And uh, I'm proud to uh, and honored to be here sharing today. Unfortunately, my wife and daughter, Lorna and Kara, could not be here with me today. They're in the Philippines. For the last 20 years, we've been in working in China, now living for five years in Thailand. And she just spoke at her home church in the Philippines uh, as of 12 hours ago. So a uh, unique setup for us today. But I am a... So excited to be able to inspire and encourage you, hopefully. Hopefully the Holy Spirit speaks to my feeble words. And for the last couple of weeks, Pastor Scott has been talking about purpose, right? How, how has that been going? Good? All right. So what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Basically, that can be summed up in those words And so as we think about these thoughts, thoughts on purpose, and God's global story, his global plan, it brings us to today, Mission Sunday, April twenty second, 2018, or as we say in Thailand, it's the year 2551 this year. Uh, We go from the birth of Buddha, but our theme today, a little tidbit there, I throw throw out some freebies every once in a while. Today we're our theme is awakening the missionary in everyone, and uh, let me allow allow me to just state clearly that not every one of us are going to be called to uproot our families, perhaps move to Abu Dhabi or Timbuktu. Well, maybe some of us will, and buy this one way ticket, move to a distant land to speak in a foreign language and minister to an alien culture. There's unique callings in the body of Christ, right? But today, I want you to experience. The missionary heart, I want you to grasp the the reality that God is calling us to join him wherever he is. So whether you're called to Prescott or Phuket or Pemba, if you're going to stay here in America or go to Austria or Afghanistan, his heart beckons you to partake in his global narrative. Amen? Inclusive of Prescott and the nations. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. That was said by Charles Spurgeon in 1873. He challenged his listeners to listen to God's global plan. Let's look at his words. I want to give you the context for what he said. 1873, he said, Once more, he who really has this high estimate of Jesus will think much of him, and as the thoughts are sure to run over at the mouth, he will talk much of him. Do we talk so If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep the good news to yourself. You will be whispering it in your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friends. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your eyes, your heart will... Speak as your eyes will flail as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Remember, you are either trying to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there's a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. Powerful words, aren't they? We have an infinitely majestic God who is deserving of global glory and praise from every part of the planet. Amen? And because of his death and his scandalous grace that was given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we suddenly have this immeasurably urgent mandate. God sees fit to accomplish his kingdom purposes through who? Mere men and women. And who are they? (laughs) Cracked jars of clay. Broken vessels. So we are this infinitesimally small part of this macro plan that God has, and yet we are such integral parts of his kingdom, glorious plan. Isn't that incredible? How has he chosen to use weak and unassuming misfits like myself in the first row? I'm just joking. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is home to the Great Commission. By a show of hands, by the way, who here has heard of the Great Commission? Most of it, half, maybe more than half. That's good. That's good. We're going to begin reading from verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. You could follow along on the screen and turn your Bible there. It said, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Sorry, I'm reading ahead of you if you haven't turned there yet. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and then a promise. Surely, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Let me just tell you this. The premise of our conversation today, this is what it is. Every citizen in God's kingdom is significant. Do you believe that? Every citizen in God's kingdom is significant. He, Christ has called and equipped every Christian here. We are sent ones who are called to live missionally wherever we go. Amen? But. We have to be honest. Sometimes, don't you feel that we have this tendency to put certain people on a pedestal? You know, we sometimes have this tendency to aggrandize the pastor or the missionary as if they're super Christians or they're God's special forces. That's a reality sometimes, perhaps inside our brain, and we just do that without saying it, but it happens. And I think there's a danger there because I, realize, I hope you realize today that this notion could not be farther than the truth. That is the reality. This is what Jim Elliott, a missionary martyr to Ecuador, we're going to actually tell his story later. Missionaries are very human, folks, he said. Simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt a somebody. That's us. Amen? Amen. So my missionary journey began in 1997, a couple of years before that, but I was smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong into China. Whoops, did I just say that or did I think that? In 1997, I would load my backpack up, roller bags, put tracks in my socks, and we had some pockets on the inside of our pants, walk across the labyrinthine border, train to this border station customs office, and try to take Bibles to the underground church. I want to tell you a particular story. Wow, look at those photos. That's pretty epic, isn't it? (laughs) All right. So we would take these Bibles across. And I remember one time I was going across. There are hundreds of people, thousands of people trying to cross this border crossing. And I was in line. And each trip from Hong Kong to China, round trip will take two and a half, three hours. Finally, after two hours of travel, 100 degrees, I get up. My passport's stamped. I walk in. My bags are trying to be... Discreet, and someone calls me over, our you, you, come here. And looked in my bags, saw it was full of Bibles and tracts. He scolded me, said, This is not legal in China, you cannot do this. So he took my Bibles. What they do is they give you a pink slip, said, You're, You can go and continue to go to China, but you cannot take these Bibles with you. When you return to Hong Kong, give the pink slip pick them back up, take them into Hong Kong. So I had nothing to do in China besides smuggle Bibles. So I went in, turned around, picked up my Bibles, came back. Sounds short, total hours, three hours. Suddenly I felt as I returned to Hong Kong, the Holy Spirit say, I want you to take these Bibles into China. So I loaded back up got on the train, labyrinthine turnstiles in the customs office, tried to hide behind the businessmen in front of me the long lines so they wouldn't see me coming back again only three hours later. And the same guy that had just caught me just a couple hours earlier saw me, and he ran over to me, didn't even say a word, just took my bags and took me over to the side, confiscated all my Bibles again. And so he gave me the pink slip. I went into China. I had nothing to do there again. And so I grabbed a Coke and then went back to Hong Kong. The third time, we're seven hours in now, or seven, eight hours, felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and said, I want you to take these Bibles into China. So I I got back on the train and did it all over again. And I remember walking up to that customs turnstiles. I was really i was trying to hide because i saw the same guy across there he's looking at me and i was trying to hide behind this guy as i get my passport stamp i try to rush across the border he said you come back here and he ran up and slapped me on the face i have never experienced a physical persecution like that very minute comparatively but i was shocked and he said you cannot bring these bibles in pink slip into china And I'm exhausted by now, physically, emotionally, spiritually. What is the point of this? Went back to Hong Kong, and I was just going to go get some fried rice and call it a day. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak. Wild guess. What did the Holy Spirit speak to me? (laughs) He said, I want you to take these Bibles back into China. And um, sometimes our succession of willful, obedient steps is really all it takes, right? There's no magic in this story, except that I said, okay, I'll do that. 100 degrees, I am completely uh, soaked in perspiration. <laughs> Finally arrive, and I see that same customs offer. It's, it's about 7 or 8 p.m. at night now, and I walk all the way up, get my passport stamped. He walked to the end of the turnstiles, got my passport stamped, put it in my pocket, and I nodded at him, and he nodded at me, and I walked right into China that day. There was something powerful about what those Bibles had to do. I don't know where they went or what they did, but I want to show you a video right now of the Chinese receiving Bibles for the very first time. Check this out. God is not looking. (laughs) Amen. I I don't even know if I'm able to continue after watching that video. It is so powerful. But you see, God is not looking for people of great faith, Hudson Taylor once said, but rather for individuals ready to follow him. That is us today. Today, Some people, they look at this decision that I made to buy a one-way plane ticket and move to China, and they inadvertently hail me as a hero, as if there's some magic in a plane ride. And this could not be farther than the truth. Every missionary here, I think, will tell you that same story, that we are weak and unassuming misfits who simply said yes to God's commands. Are you willing to say yes today to the things that God is speaking into your heart This is what Hudson Taylor said again. All of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence being with them. I want to speak candidly and say, I expect that each one of us here desires and longs to see Prescott transformed by the power of the gospel. Am I in the right place here? All right. You you hope to see your neighbors find... That abundant life that Jesus promised. You want to see Prescott High School students experience the power of God. You want to see foster care children find families. You want to see whiskey row regulars set free from alcohol. You want to see young unwed mothers find a support system. You want to see drug-addicted youth set free from that disease. And you want to see churches operate in unity and purpose. Is that true of us today? Yet, some of you here believe, or you may feel that God can't use you. Um, you failed too many times, perhaps, or, or you're too small of a part, small cog in the big picture of what's happening. I, I want to tell you today, God does not overlook you. Every citizen in God's kingdom is significant. Even the tiniest pebbles, you toss it in a placid pond, and it creates these far-reaching ripples that ripple on into eternity. This is what Jesus said in Acts 1:8. These were the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says this: But you will receive power. And that's good for insignificant and weak and unassuming misfits, isn't it? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and end to the ends of the earth. And notice, I want to notice, that Jesus uses the words, very important article, and, not or. So this takes place simultaneously. It's local and global. You're going to be my witnesses At home and abroad. This is the heart of God for the nations. So not only do we want to see the kingdom of God established here in Prescott, we want to see, we long to see transformation in Mexico, in China, in Cambodia, in India, in Myanmar, in Vietnam, in Zambia, all across Africa and to the ends of the earth. So today I want to give you just a couple of examples of very simple people as Jamielia said human folk who willfully made a succession of obedient steps and transformed the world not because of the greatness in them but the greatness of God in and through them. On October, I'm sorry, on August 27, 1727, we're going back in time a little bit for this one was the first day of a 24-hour prayer watch that lasted 100 years. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was started by the Moravians. Can you imagine we start a prayer watch and start assigning everyone hours, morning, noon, and night from now, April 22nd, 2018, until April 22nd, 2118. It lasted a hundred years, unbroken, 24-hour prayer watch. The Moravian church, led by Nicholas Zinzendorf, started to get this passion for souls. As you spend time in God's presence, it's only inevitable that you get a heart for people. And they had heard that there was this massive slave trade. At that time, the largest slave trade in the world, it was in the West Indies, and particularly in St. Thomas. They heard that there was all these slaves there who never, ever had a chance to hear the gospel. One particular man came and told them, the only way to reach my people is if, because they're working morning, noon, and night, and they have no time to listen to you preach. You have to be willing to sell yourself into slavery. That's the only way to reach them. Can you imagine that? So two young men, compelled by love and against terrible odds, they gave themselves to be enslaved as missionaries to the people of, of St. Thomas. An ocean blue and sapphire sky they met on the line of the distant horizon as the ship was getting ready to set sail from Copenhagen all the way to St. Thomas. Johann Leonard Dober on October 8, 1732, and David Nitschmann, they were the first missionaries, commenced their two month voyage across the seas, and they stood on the deck as all their families were there watching, probably similar to this. And many of them were questioning the The point: Why were they going to sell themselves into slavery to reach these people? Unbelievable. And the two young men, you know, they might never return. So the ship set sail, and the gap began to widen between land and sea, and they cast the ropes down, and they curled around the posts on the pier. And then suddenly, the two young men men linked arms, and they raised their hands as if in sacred pledge, and looked back at their well-wishers. And they yelled... (sighs) I, I get emotional every time I say this. they yelled across to their friends ashore and say, May the Lamb who is slain receive the reward of his suffering, and they sailed away to West Indies before any other church had arrived a number of years later. those Moravian missionaries, the two and then succeeding, baptized thirteen thousand people before one other person arrived on the scene. Amen so. What is the reward of Jesus' suffering? Let's look right now. I'll give you a moment to turn to Revelation 5, 9 through 12. The reward of Jesus. This is the whole point. We're starting from the back going forward, and this is what it says. They sang a new song saying, you are blessed and worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them to be a kingdom of priests priests. And serve our God and they will reign in the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders and in a loud voice they said, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. The reward of Jesus' suffering is people. People from every nation, every tribe, And today, you know, time fails to tell of all these incredible stories of missionary sacrifice from Hudson Taylor, James O. Frazier, Amy Carmichael, Isabel Kuhn, Don Richardson, Bruce Olson, many others, but I want to very briefly share one more story. Many of you might have heard this before. Towards the end of 1955, there were five young missionary men. They came to be known later as the Ecuador Five. Have you ever heard of them? And Jim Elliott led... Uh, accompanied by his four other friends, sought to reach the Akka tribe with with the gospel. They were a savage uh, tribe who were known for killing anyone in the area. They were very primitive. And so they would fly this yellow Piper airplane circling the settlements of the Akka people. And they did not want to walk straight into them. They would be speared to death. In fact, if you've seen the end of the spear, tip of the spear, end of the spear, I can't recall... I think it's called The End of the Spear. And you can watch th- that story take place about Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and their other friends. So they would circle the area, the settlements, and drop down this basket on a long line, giving gifts of all kinds to the locals to try to build some sort of repertoire and friendship with them so that later they could go in. And I'm obviously condensing the story, but they finally made contact with these people, two men and one woman crept out of the jungle as they parked their plane on this beach called Palm Beach as they came to be known. Not exactly a tropical paradise in the jungles of Ecuador. And they stood there. There was their first encounter with the Aka. No one had told the stories and lived among the Aka people. Following two days, they were so excited. They're radioing back on their yellow Piper airplane back to home base. We've made contact. We're going to message you at 435 this afternoon. We're getting ready to go with them right now. And the radio dropped. They never called back at 435. The bodies of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and their three other friends were found speared to death laying face down in the Kiorari River on January 8, 1956. That's not the end of the story, thank God. It was the end of their lives and the sacrificial life and yet Jim Elliott's wife and her two-year-old daughter, Nate the pilot's sister, moved in with the Alka people, also known as the Harani people. They they lived with the very people who speared their husband and brother to death. Today, there are 40% Christians among the Harani people. God transformed their whole culture. God has rigged the world in such a way that victory and triumph only take place through risk. That's a reality of our world today. This is what C.T. Studd said. Some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I'm going to skip the next slide, by the way. And I want to move to our homework today. We want to see God's global glory go from here to the nations, operate in Prescott. And I wanted to say we have so many missionaries here today. I would encourage you. To do a couple things before you leave and rush out of the service, make a connection. In fact, can we go to that slide? Uh, there is, there's a response card in your bulletin. If you could everyone pull that out, I want you to scan through that and try to make a meaningful connection with one of the missionaries or multiple missionaries here today. Why? Because you want to see how what is God is doing around the world impacts your witness here in Prescott. Amen? This is not about China only or Thailand or Myanmar or Zambia. This is about God's global glory and every citizen in the kingdom of God, significant. So make a connection with them. Log into their website. Read their recent three blogs. Let's see what the next one says there. I want you to pray daily for some missionaries serving overseas. Pray for the people that they are trying to reach. Read a missionary biography. These condensed stories can be found in Through Gates of Splendor. Uh, They could be found in Spiritual Secret, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, Insanity of God. Um, Shameless plug, of course, I had to do this. Get this book. It's a book I wrote called The Space Between Memories um, Recollections from a 21st Century Missionary. It's outside. Book I wrote about the last 20 years of our lives. Turn on some old Keith Green music so you could get inspired for the heart of God. Amen. I've been listening to Keith Green. I feel like I want to become a missionary. (laughs) Again, in closing, I want to say this. Every citizen of God's kingdom is significant. That's easy to repeat, and I appreciate that, amen. That's easy to repeat. Repeat it over and over because the reality is God's heart beats for the nations. So you may feel Weak and unable, incapable, but your willing succession of small obedient steps will transform the world. I'm very excited to see what happens, what takes place here in Prescott and to the nations. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed, said Hudson Taylor, very legendary missionary to China, although he would not say that. And let me tell you, there's no greater joy than seeing God work through your life to touch others and transform a city, a state, a nation. So as you allow the Holy Spirit to move in and through you wherever you go, I pray that today you would begin to sense the missionary heart rising up within you. Let me just pray real quick for you, can I? Thank you, Lord, that your passion for souls extends beyond our capacity to see from Prescott to the nations, and every person here is significant in your kingdom. We worship you for that. And because of it, we say, Lord, here am I. I'm willing to go anywhere, do anything, eat anything, sleep anywhere that your name might be made known among the nations. Bless everyone here with a passion for you and a passion for souls. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.